0: The farmer tells God, if you'll only bring a miracle harvest, even though I haven't planted any seeds, even though I'm not nurturing the soil, even though I'm not pruning the trees, if you'll make a harvest anyway, well then I'll have seeds and I can plant next year. That just does not make sense. But that's the way so many businesses approach training. Welcome to the Miles and the Markers podcast, episode number 15. I'm Gene Girdley. And once again, I've decided to sit in my backyard to record this podcast. A couple of reasons why. Beautiful day out. But also it's been 10 days since I returned from NADA, and I still have not unpacked everything. (laughs) So all my mics and the camera and all that other stuff are still in boxes. And I haven't been outside lately because you may even hear it in my voice a little bit. I've been uh, having some allergy issues. And it's no fun. But the wind has been blowing hard and... The Pollen is high in the air and stuff like that. So you're going to why you're outside gene because doggone it I just wanted to get outside. So there (laughs) (laughs) So you'll just have to deal with my uh, My raspy sounding voice Sometimes they say, you know if you have a cold you actually sound better (laughs) Well, here we go So I'm actually going to do two chapters today because they're both about training I read through this a couple days ago, and I went, I think I'll do two chapters, which is mile 15, training should be prioritized and scheduled, and mile 16, training should be fun and engaging. So here we go. Thanks for joining me. I recently completed a course called the Neuroscience of Learning. And if you're on LinkedIn, by the way, and you have linkedin premium and access to linkedin learning i highly encourage you to take that course the neuroscience of learning i was encouraged because many of the strategies i've used in my work were reinforced in that course for example the part of your brain that helps you remember things can only work on one thing for a maximum of 20 minutes now i had learned a bunch of stuff about teaching and training through all the years of work that I've done in ministry and teaching and training and all that. And as I write in my book, that's why educators switch things up every 15 minutes or so. I practice that in my courses, both live and online. I've been doing that for a long time, but I didn't really know why for sure. I mean, I thought it was the entertainment factor, the boredom factor, but there's actually neuroscience behind it so i thought that was cool training was essential to the campbell automotive group john campbell who was the owner paid employees 50 dollars a day to attend training plus food and gas that was a reasonable amount in 1995 and in the 90s it may not sound like much, but a lot of companies wouldn't pay a thing. Trying to get anyone to attend off-site training today is like pulling teeth. And yet it's vital to learning that people be afforded an environment without distractions. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> and the thing is, I know because I know who listens to this podcast that I'm preaching to the choir. But if you want to get it out to somebody who really needs to hear it, who'd be willing to hear it, I want to say it again. Trying to get anyone to attend offsite training today is like pulling teeth. And yet it's vital to learning that people be afforded an environment without distractions. It is hard enough, even if you're training people off site where they're not distracted by their daily responsibilities or managers coming in or their cell phone, it's hard enough in a hotel to do it because they've got constant access to information and data right at their fingertips with a cell phone. And because we're in such a digital world these days, most people bring some type of a computer with them to training so they could take notes on their computer as opposed to taking notes in a book. So that gives them access, if there's internet access, to the web as well. Why is that so important? Continuing with the book now. Because according to recent studies, quote, multitasking is a myth. I never knew that. Because I see myself as kind of a multitasker. But the reality is, I guess, scientifically, multitasking is a myth. The brain can't truly focus on more than one thing at a time and retain the information. I think that's the key. And retain the information. While skills are lacking more than ever, boy, is that an understatement, huh? While skills are lacking more than ever, many corporations are training less and less, even though there should be more available time than ever before. Now, when I wrote this, we were in the middle of the pandemic and people were trying to figure out what to do. There was a lot of off time. But if you think about where we've come in terms of technology and the ability with tools and resources to get more done in a shorter period of time, if we simply schedule the time, we still can get all of our work done and still have time to learn more. So theoretically, there still should be available time for people in training. And if you're in a situation where life is super busy for you, then at least you're of the mindset of having to focus on something and training in a lot of cases can be easier than, than it is when you're just sitting around doing nothing because your mind is just going, I don't want to do anything. Back to the book when training is offered, it's been trimmed down to nothing more than a motivational session or a distraction about new technology. Gone are the three day sales intensive workshops. In the automotive world live training is in the automotive world live training is typically three hours maximum delivered at a hotel or a day or two in dealership where salespeople are continually being pulled out of class to take customers so obviously I'm writing this from real experience right when you go back to when I first became a trainer at Saturn Corporation Training at Spring Hill, I would fly out on a Sunday morning. Make connections through, get a bus close to Spring Hill, Franklin, Tennessee. Stay in a hotel there. Uh, I'm sorry. I would, I would get a rental car and drive to Franklin, Tennessee. And then for the first group, a lot of times we would board a bus with them and take them down. Uh, sometimes it was from Nashville. But I would arrive on Monday morning before the class started, by 6.30 or 7. And then we would go from 8 to 5.30 for five days. I would get on a plane on Friday night late and fly home. I'd get to be home on Saturday. Sometimes I didn't make it home on Saturday because John Wayne Airport had a curfew. And if my flight was delayed for any reason, typically through St. Louis, because that was when TWA was still flying. If there was any delay whatsoever, I often wasn't able to get to John Wayne Airport. They would divert us to L.A. I'd ride a bus down to John Wayne and take my car home, and I'd get home at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning and get on a plane again on Sunday morning back to Tennessee. People were committed to training. And it was great training. But over time, things changed. You know, when budgets start to get cut, the training budget is one of the first things to go. And I get it because it's very difficult to measure immediately the direct result of training on profits because a lot of training is focused on what are called soft skills, which are customer contact skills and things like that, which we all know result in better performance. We know that, but it's hard for manufacturers or dealers to directly tie immediate results like they can When they send out a coupon for fixed ops, and they can just count the coupons, right? Okay, we got 20 coupons in this week, so we know the coupons working. So as a result, back to the book now. Most training is relegated to web-based self-study courses the manufacturers require for certification. In many cases, managers pay other people to take the exams for their team. It's pretty sad. And I'm obviously sharing this from real life experience. One of the manufacturers that I was doing work for, they had really cut down their training. Um, When we did go in dealership, it would be for two days max, and we would split the staff in groups of three to three and a half hours at a time. It was a very focused topic, mostly about a product, a launch of a new product. Very little on sales skills. Is mostly product related, which quite frankly, those of us who are in training, we realize that you don't have to have great product knowledge to sell something. You just got to have really good customer contact skills and listening skills and attaching features to benefits. We've got a lot of tools to share pro- product knowledge. You know, there's all kinds of resources to just show videos of the car. Um, it, it's it's a lot easier to sell product these days. I mean, nowadays, what do we know, we know that the carvanas of the world. Are out there selling cars, without a test drive, because people can look online and see how stuff works, they can watch videos. But there's still that need for people skills. Relationship building skills. And then I said, and I'll say it again, in many cases, managers pay other people to take exams for their team. That's because the way the manufacturer works it with a dealer is they have to get so many people to pass exams in order to qualify for their training bonus money. So they just hire some expert on their brand to come in and pay them 25 bucks a piece to pass the test form. It is pretty sad. So the new approach to training is problematic, no doubt. As I discovered in the neuroscience of learning, retention requires a process that takes time. Retrieval, unlike repetition, is a process that includes proper sleep, then a revisiting of the information in several sessions. Today, there is no time and no budget for proper training. It's a shame too, because most people begin their careers with little if any applicable knowledge or skills. I'm not talking about engineers, I'm not talking about technicians who go through technical training, I'm not talking about nurses who go through nursing school. Although, because my wife is a nurse, we've seen some nursing schools that are more diploma mills than they are actual training of people and nurses don't have the knowledge that my wife and my son got when they went through nursing school these days. It's really a shame, and I'm not picking on nurses. By all means, they they work hard. Uh, But it's just the teaching in general, the training in general, the focus in general is not there. When my career in sales began, all customer contact employees had offsite training once a quarter. It was a three-hour drive on a Monday at 5 a.m. for me to get to a GM training center because that's where all General Motors training took place, at a GM training center. And they were all over the country. Managers attended as well so they could reinforce the training throughout the weeks and months that followed. I'm just going to say this. This is one of the real fall downs with in dealership training that I've done over the past 10 years. Staffs are so short and managers are so short staffed in terms of they don't often have a teammate. They don't often have another manager to flop shifts with them. If they're lucky, they have a finance manager. And they're so busy with all the admin. And I'm not just talking about sales managers either. I'm talking about service managers that the admin roles and responsibilities that they have bury their time. And so they are lucky to get out of there after the dealership's closed. So they don't see training as a priority. And that makes it really tough because if I come in there as a trainer and I teach their team something that is really good, if the management do not reinforce it on a daily basis, it doesn't stick just doesn't you know there are some training organizations some trainers that actually like that you know why because you got to hire them back again it's not their fault the training didn't stick it's your fault for not reinforcing it but hey you got a new staff now because they never applied any of the training so they weren't successful so you fired them and hey, let's get that trainer back I love his stuff so managers always attended so they could reinforce the training throughout the weeks and months that followed. We attended specialized training for a week in Spring Hill, Tennessee when I was with Saturn, for which our dealership paid all the expenses. Other than one-to-one coaching or new hire orientation, all training took place away from the dealership in those days. And here's mile marker 15. Be dedicated to quality, ongoing training for your team. Provide them with the necessary time, free from other distractions. Provide them with skills, tools, and resources to help them become the best they can be, even if that means they leave your company to fulfill their dreams. That's what happened to me. They gave me every advantage to become the best that I could be. And here's the beauty about it. As long as I worked for that company, I was a top performer because they gave me the opportunity to be that. And it helped them as long as I was there. It helped their customers as long as I was there. And so those customers came back more and more to that dealership because of the way that I treated them because the dealership gave me the opportunity to learn to do things right. Provide them with the necessary time, free from other distractions. Provide them with the skills, tools, and resources to help them become the best that they can be, even if that means they leave your company to fulfill their dreams. And yes, I said it twice. Now, I added a note here that was written at the beginning of the pandemic, but we know from experience that things actually turned around in a very positive way. I talk about... Uh, them cutting their budgets, especially car dealers and manufacturers, manufacturers especially. Even though most of the training initially was virtual. It was done virtually. Which costs so much less than putting somebody on a plane and sending them out to a dealership or to a hotel and that whole training budget. I I actually hear a lot of dealers saying, oh, you got to come physically in the dealership which costs more, which I agree is better if there are no distractions. Face-to-face, I agree, offers so much more than virtual. But for the money, it really is a matter of how much you value the benefit of the live training. But to cut training budgets, regardless of when, whether sales dry up or whatever, to cut training budgets... Here's the way I view that. I use the analogy of the farmer who has just had a bad crop telling God that if he'll only bring a miracle harvest, then he'll plant seeds next year. I'm gonna say that again. The farmer tells God, if you'll only bring a miracle harvest in the midst of this drought, in the midst of this bad economy, Even though I haven't planted any seeds, even though I'm not nurturing the soil, even though I'm not pruning the trees, even though I'm not spending any money or investing anything in my land. If you'll make a harvest anyway, well then I'll have seeds and I can plant next year. That just does not make sense. But that's the way so many businesses approach training. And I conclude this mile marker with, I'm not sure who sold management that bill of goods. Mile 16, training should be fun and engaging. Having been a teacher, youth pastor, and a preacher, being creative and comfortable in front of a group hasn't been an issue for me. During one of my world history lessons on the expansion of Europe, I had my junior high students create a giant map of the continent in the middle of the room. So they pushed all the chairs aside, all their desks and everything were shoved up against the wall, okay? I just had this big map that they drew out, just got, big chart paper and spread it out all over the floor and they drew it all up and drew pictures and uh, of, of all the different, uh, different countries in Europe. We divided each of the teams into a game of risk and we weighted the armies for each tribe, in this case, Goths and Visigoths, the German tribes uh, to ensure the expansion would unfold as it did historically. We had a teaching intern from UC San Diego at the time, and she was blown away at how the kids learned. One of my first training classes required in automotive sales was on certified used cars. Given that my learning attitude is that training should be interactive and fun, my tolerance for anyone who simply stood in front of a projector and read bullet points off a slide was pretty low. So I attend this class, and after returning from the class, my manager, Dennis, asked me how it went. I think I said the trainer sucked. It would have gone better if they'd given me the materials the day before and let me do it. Two months later, I went to Spring Hill, Tennessee to attend two other classes, Saturn's Cultures and Values, and the Saturn Consultative Sales process, and my view of corporate culture and training changed forever. The ride on the bus from Nashville to the factory was fun. There were some great stories about the area and everyone was excited to participate many had been waiting a year to attend because several dealers wanted to make sure that they were going to stick around so they wouldn't lose out on their training investment by sending someone who might quit in just a few months but there they were now and all of us spilled enthusiasm on each other as if we were little kids we'd heard nothing but magical stories about visiting the saturn factory at spring hill Later in the afternoon, we loaded a bus and toured the factory, learning about the unique ways Saturn showed respect for the environment, the local neighbors, and customers who visited the factory in an event called the Saturn Homecoming, which drew over hundred thousand owners. So, just to give you an example, let's talk environment because I know that's a a big thing these days. But Saturn, when they first sighted in the factory, realized that the top of the factory was going to be too high and make the landscape look really bad. It was gonna stick out like a sore thumb. And so they literally dug the foundations 10 feet deeper, which was, and I'm trying to remember the actual number, but it was enough to put dirt for a four lane highway from Spring Hill to Chicago. That's how much extra dirt they took out in order to lower the factory skyline. And then they painted the factory sky blue so that it matched the sky as opposed to looking like a, an ugly factory. And they put pick, white picket fences around the factory. There are no chain link fences or anything like that. So it was just really cool the, the amount of focus that they put into that. There were more stories about the Annabella mansions on the property as we drove to a ropes course and to the events hall called Spider Haller. Spider Hauler is where we participated in blind Sherpa walks, trust falls, and other team building activities designed to help us learn how much we needed one another. It really felt like a youth camp. By the end of the day, my mind was set that this was the company for me, and becoming a facilitator for Saturn's retail training team was now at the top of my bucket list. And then in this chapter I add a section called a side street. In this case, the side street was called diversity. It says today my contract work includes directing and producing virtual events. We had a segment called Women in Retail Automotive during these events, which was very popular. And during the last event while I was writing the book, the panelists spoke about the lack of women in leadership positions in automotive dealerships. But on the first day of training at Saturn Corporation, we got to know each other very creatively through an activity called Three Facts and a Fib, which I still use today. The trainer's name was Carolyn Warren. Carolyn was an experienced trainer, and she was passionate about the Saturn brand and life. Saturn led the way years ago by including women in leadership at every level of their operation. Jill Lejack was the general manager for Saturn Corporation in 2004. She was one of, if not the first woman to be put in charge of an automotive company. Aside from being named one of the 100 leading women in the North American auto industry in 2005, I don't remember her getting much attention or recognition for it like women do today, but having women in charge was unique to the world and uncommon in the car business. Yet my dealership had women in sales, sales management, finance management, service management, all the different roles in the dealership. Saturn, has always been ahead of its time in automotive, including DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So here's the mile marker for mile 16, still on episode 15. Ensure your work environment is fun, engaging, and offers a diverse work experience that promotes personal growth and understanding for every team member. When you do training, use a variety of methods because different people learn in different ways. And that is today's episode. I wanna thank you all for listening. I appreciate everybody that listens to the Miles and the Markers podcast. I have a book of the same name. Go to Amazon and type in Gene Girdley, G-E-N-E-G-I-R-D-L-E-Y in the Amazon search box and you will find the book. 52 Weeks of Experiences to Improve Your Life and Enhance Your Journey. I hope you have a great week. I wish you all the best continue to pray for not only Ukraine but family and people who are hurting right now and struggling. Um, Life is hard in a lot of places and um, we obviously want to be compassionate people. God bless you and make it a great week.